Welcome everyone to uh, later new the latest episode of Bear Football. I am so angry with this game. I got to tell you guys, Coach <laughs> T, Danny Shimon, and uh, both of you have taught me so much about the game of football this season. And, and Danny has been, taught me over the last five seasons we've worked together. Greg Gabriel has taught me so much. But this season, one of the things that I've learned, courtesy of Coach T and Danny Shimon primarily, is play calling and how you make adjustments and how you set up opponents for certain things throughout the game. You just don't call a play for the sake of calling a play. And I think that what happened in the second half to this Chicago Bears team was the result of the abysmal play calling by Luke Getze. That man should have his entry into Hallis Hall terminated right now. Right now. This was bullshit what he did out there. He let this team down tremendously. And when I see all these cuckoos, and I'm sure we'll, I'll, we'll see some in the chat room today, blaming Justin Fields for this loss, they are absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. This was all on Luke Getze, all of it. Coach T, you start, please. <laughs> How do I follow that up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know what to say, Aldo. It's just, you know. The first half was, you know what I'm saying, missed opportunities and plays not made by the players. Um, you go into halftime up, I believe, 17-7, was it? It was a, They were tied 7-7 seven, seven at half. 7-7. Seven, seven. I thought they were we tied were up. half, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, you go you – have, you have the defense play well, and we're not able to generate anything offensively. Like, we're not – it's it's extra frustrating for me because personnel wise, you're in the right space, and it's it's hard for me to digest what I like looking at the film and dissecting. Like personnel wise, I thought we were in the right space and we had the right personnel on the field, but nothing was set up. Nothing. It was just like like Aldo mentioned. It was called plays. Nothing was set up. Nothing looked like cons. Uh, uh, connected football like not good storytelling and then when we had opportunities to keep the ball the chains moving like on the fourth and third and one or whatever in the case that we're at, we run a, a a jet sweep and have tyler scott get hammered for a loss a down time, that, coach. that was yeah. the third time in the second half they're on a jet sweep it worked with Velas jones twice so guess he went back to it that that jet sweep became his his uh his uh screen pass that he yeah, like two times yeah, it, it's it's just it's just hard to digest at this at this point, and it's hard for me to articulate because you're right there. How do you not get it done? How do you not get it done when you're that close and you're in the vicinity? So I I, I, don't, I don't know what the I don't, I don't know what to say, Danny. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, they became predictable, and uh, the jet sweep is one play right there where it worked twice with Village Jones early in, in the in the third quarter, and Luke Getze uh, cannot get creative off off of his plays, cannot get creative off of his form formations. I mean, the, his his best running back Dante Foreman had six carries today. Now I know that the defensive front for the Browns is tough, but you just do not give up the run. And we talked about it at halftime, coach, is stop with the shotgun formations. 
You right. know, you're, you're giving this defensive line, you know, you're, the, the back is, you know, five, you know, six yards in the backfield. You're giving them a, an idea of what's happening. Get Justin under center, get in the eye formation, do some play action, do some rollouts. You know, you saw the 39-year-old Joe Flacco get successful rolling away from pressure, away from Montez Sweat. You know, get Justin Fields on, on the run. It worked in the first half when he tried it. You know, the, that would have been touchdown to Robert Tunyon. You know, that, that was a, a rollout. You know, and then the other uh, opportunities where he rolled out on his own, escaping pressure, and, th- and he come in, in the end zone. I mean, get him away from pressure. Let, let's use his legs. And then I, I get it just I knew on that fourth and one that he was going to get the jet sweep. When I saw Tyler Scott going in motion, I'm like he's going to go with Tyler Scott. It's going to be kind of and and a defensive end knew right away what was going to happen. It was so the simple. The simple thing to do is the hard thing to do. That's what is hard for me to digest. What's going on it's, with Luke? You, because you, can, you can fake it to, to Tyler Scott and then give it to right. the running back and get right. one damn yard and and keep the chains moving. And right. that's it, the thing. It's like it's just like, and, like, then, and then every time it would they get the ball, they, it would be a toss. Uh, to the to the outside, to the foot to the hat back and the outside, they get dropped for a five yard loss. Now they're looking at second and 15. Second and 15 versus this defensive front versus that beast in Miles Garrett is hard. You, you saw he, he tossed Braxton Jones, who's 6'5, 315 pounds, to the floor like he's a doll. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. that man is a monster. And and then you know, you're, you're trying to uh, second and 15, third and 15, and then what happens? All he does is throws these screen passes, which now he's basically giving up a series. And now you put the defense back out there again. And and again, you just you do not put your defense or your offense in a position to, to succeed. You cannot build off of your your run game for whatever reason. He just refuses to do that. So and this is what happens. And the defense gets thrown out there, you know, time in and time out. Um, again, this is the third blown double digit lead by the defense in, in three games. There's a Broncos games, there's that Lions game, and this game here that they couldn't hold a a, a fourth quarter double digit lead. So. Uh, some will, you know, will give them the defensive break saying that they're on the field for too long. But still, you know, that's what they're paid for. They're paid for to protect these leads. And they couldn't three games now. They couldn't do that. So this game, this team could be eight and six now and in, in prime position to make a playoff spot. But, you know, again, it, I want to if you want to give Aberflus credit for making the defense better. Fine. I, I'm there. The defense is better, but they just cannot finish. And if you're going to be a damn good defense, you got to get finished. You got to finish those plays. Yeah. It's in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you got to make those plays in in two minute in two minute situations. Trying to digest all of this, right, Danny? I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the, the box score. Roshan Johnson five carries, thirty six yards, average seven point two yards per carry. Right, the next leading carrier of the ball, Justin Fields, four point three yards per carry. After Roshan, the next the next guy is Valus Jones, averaging eleven yards a carry. The, the game story, the game plan, it's all over the place, right? It's all over the place. And then we see it coming in the game, 30 carries. It's just, I I see the thing apart, what, what I'm struggling with here is called, I don't like repeating myself, right? And I've, what happened here? No, we're still here. We we're can here. see you and hear you. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, get, I'm, getting, a, I'm getting a commercial on my stuff. But either way, um, <laughs> That's why. But either way, yeah, it's hard for me to digest because um, um, I, I just don't like repeating myself. And I, I, I don't like saying Luke Getsy, Luke Getsy, Luke Getsy. But the obvious, and I tweeted this, I'm not going to say it. The obvious to me is what it is. I could go to the quarterback and say, you know, make I can go to Justin Fields and say, make this throw right here. Make this throw right here. You know what I'm saying? Make Connect on this incompletion here. Connect and not denying none of those, right? But and you're in a situation where the quarterback has to be perfect for you to win the game. 
I want a new coordinator. If I have to be perfect to win a game, meaning Justin has to throw for 100% completion rate or he has to throw for uh, 75, 80% completion, 90% completion rate, then I'd rather get a, a, another coordinator because statistically you should be able to win a game if you're anywhere at 65, 70% completion rate, right? I'm trying to make it make sense so the audience understands because we want to default to the typical fan blame cycle, quarterback, head coach, GM. Think outside of the blocks. Why do I have to complete 100% of my passes for us to win when any other quarterback can come in? Joe was probably at the right 50% today, right? Give me, give me, give me Kevin Stefanski, please. That's the diff. That's this is should be this should show the fans the difference when you have a a a good offensive mind because Joe Flacco comes off of the off of the streets from at home eating popcorn on Sundays. And to coming in and throwing it for over 300 yards. When you're schemed and put in good positions, you can play ball. And he's missing four of his five starting offensive linemen today. Right. You know, right. they already came in missing three guys and they lost Petonio midway, I believe, to the first half or, so, or early second half. Uh, so they had four backups in there basically on the offensive line and they still were able to, you know, to come back and, and wipe that wipe that lead away, but you know the, the biggest thing for me, the biggest series, guys. I don't know how, when they when they made it. Obviously, that fourth and one that was just you know just Justin keeps his keeps keeps his balance and makes that that first down. That's a huge get there. Trips falls about a half what a couple inches short of the first down. That was huge. They go down, they get the field goal, and then the following possession, he comes out with another stupid toss out to the running back. It's dropped for five yard loss. Now it's second fifteen. And then he and then he goes and throws the ball, and Justin throws the ball. Okay, calls a pass play. Doesn't try to run the ball. Throws the ball, and that's incompletion. Doesn't run any clock. Okay, I think that, and I think the next play was a, was a little screen to to Roshan Johnson, who gets like eleven yards on it. But again, it just doesn't do, do a good job of just setting up the defense, being able to you know use his offensive line to hopefully get a couple yards, run some clock at the very least, run three three runs there. And kill clock, kill the clock, so yeah. Minutes of, of clock there, and give it even some time to rest on, on you know, on side. But no, it just comes out with that stupid toss play, which I, I keep saying uh, versus this defense, this aggressive up the field attacking defense. You got to get under center. You got to be in an eye formation, and you got to be. And even if you think you think you're predictable that way, even you talked about earlier at halftime, coach. You know, doing doing the pistol formation, do something creative, get something where it's not just so predictable that. It's either going to be an RPO or Justin's going to hand it off or keep it. And even those plays now are not even running because the defense is keeping a, a, a safety, a, a, a guy that's roving back there, a spy on Justin Fields in case he holds on to the football. So even if the defensive end is biting, there's a second-level defender that's coming up now and, and trying to just specifically spy on Justin Fields in case he keeps the ball. So th those are not being effective at all. But, but now you have to see that, Getsy, and you have to just adjust to that and make play. He is just so predictable. Once his first 15 charted plays are done, yeah. When it's when it's him going off off his off his script or off his chart whatever he has got in his front of his hand he, he doesn't have a feel for the he game have a feel like, for it no <laughs> whoever helps him set up the, the first fifteen throughout the week yeah they do it but feeling the that, game is yeah he that, doesn't, it's me and you playing Madden we're just going through the script or just picking a play play yeah that's what it's like it's literally like close your eyes dartboard I'm just calling whatever's on my sheet there's no there's no, it's not a concert. It, you always you all hear me talk about telling a good story all the time. And it's not a good story. It's not, hey, we killed them with this play or not. And we're playing off of this play because it was set up with this. It's just close your eyes, pick a play, cross your fingers and 
hope something happens. You know, it's just like it's like it's like if if Getty came up with the with the the tush push or the burly show, whatever it's being called now, he'd keep some running the same formation. But you see how the Eagles run different sets off of that, run different plays off of that tush push because everyone's already gearing up for that one one yard shove. And next thing you know, there's a handoff to uh, DeAndre Swift. There's other there's other things you could build off of these formations. Getsy doesn't do any of that. And then having said all that, having bitched and complained about all that, if Darnell Mooney catches that Hail Mary at the end of the game, the Bears <laughs> win the game. It's in his lap. It literally is in his lap. And the ball rolls out and it pops up and he intercepted. Unbelievable. There's still uh, people in the chat room, like uh, my man, McDonald. He told me his name once. It's not Amy or Bethany, but he says Fields went 19 for 41. That's absolutely pathetic. The worst fourth quarter QBR in the history of the NFL through 30 games. <laughs> I I laugh because, you know, you're just you and uh, Mike Withrow, who says I'm leaving. I don't want to hear all the make excuses anymore. I, I, I'm laughing because they're not seeing the game from a macro level. And this, you know, this well, team. Maybe, Aldo, they, they are seeing it from a macro level. And that's and, the problem. Yeah, the maybe nuance, I'm using the word wrong. Yeah, the, Go ahead. The, 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 nuance, the, du- the nuance is, is different. You know what I'm saying? How do you get to 19? You know what I'm saying? This is what drives mm-hmm. me nuts about the stat boys, right? The stat boys can go to the to the. Anybody can go to the box score sheet and quote off 19 for 40, where's this, where's that, you know what I'm saying? But how did we get there? Tell me, the same people in the chat, tell me how we got there. Mm-hmm. What, what what did you think the game, because this is what I'm saying, what do you think the game plan was? They probably didn't watch what? the game. They probably didn't right. watch the game. That's what I'm saying. Like between Between going to get a beer and popcorn and eating chicken wings, what did you what how did how did we get there? If you could di- diagnose how we got there to 19, Justin Fields threw 40 passes. That should tell you the story right there. He yes. threw he threw 40 passes against the top defense in the NFL. Versus top defense in the NFL. But you put that in Aldo's comments and breeze right past that. And you coming at Aldo. But Justin Fields threw 40 passes versus the top defense in the NFL, but you're gonna place it on the kid. The and, game. And guys, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm done with Darnell Mooney. I'm sorry. I like him. I thought he had potential, but he's obviously not a number two. He's maybe maybe not even number three. And he might be a number four type receiver. I don't know. Twelve, fourteen. I don't know what it is him, but I mean, I'm, I think I'm done with Darnell Mooney. He he cannot get open. He can't get open. I'll tell you this about Darnell. You know, I, I, I've done some coaching, you know, flag football and basketball teams and stuff. You know, nothing like like Coach T for, for sure. But I, I know when a player is down. I know when a player has a lot going through his head. What has happened to Darnell Mooney, he has gone through the trauma of seeing DJ Moore come in and become the number one receiver when his tight friend, Justin Fields was getting all of those reps. He was getting all of them. And so I don't think his head is in the game 100%. And so I would like to know, is the wide receiver coach, the position coach for Darnell Mooney, really helping him by helping him to keep his head in the game? Because what I see out of Darnell Mooney is a player whose head is not in the game. He's making simple mistakes. He's made some, you know, and this actually goes back for years where he's made 
uh, uh, mistakes with his route running and so forth. So th that's something that has to be coached out. And, and I think it's continuing this year, but I don't think his head is totally in the game. Those are plays that what we saw today, he was tried. They tried to target him more because they're trying to get him more involved, and that would be for the benefit of the team. But he and Justin are just not there, and I got a feeling that this is more on Darnell than it is on anyone else. What do you guys think? Well, well that's called being a professional, Aldo. If if you're if you're worried about your contract or you're worried about your your, your you know the amount of receptions your targets you got, yeah, I mean you have to go out there and earn them, right? I mean DJ Moore came in here and earned. The trust of Justin Fields earned that that repertoire that those two have. I mean, those two guys look like they've been playing together for five years now. You know, it looks like they came from Ohio State to the Bears at the same time. I mean, I mean, and it's only been what 13, 14 games that they played together. You know, mm -hmm. so that's talk. That's talk about being a professional receiver, being able to to get in get, get in co you know cohesion and and on the same page with your quarterback. And for whatever reason, Darnell Mooney just you know does not and has not been able to connect with Justin Fields. And again, even if there's whatever reason, if there's a, something in his back of his mind in terms of his contract and all that stuff, it's called being a professional, putting that to the side, going out there. And even if the Bears don't give you the money, you as a professional need to go out there and put good tape out there so other teams can come and give you that money that you're looking for, that contract you're looking for. So that's just being a professional. If you're not mentally strong to play in this league, then you're not going to survive for very long. I'm sorry. But I, but I also I would also like to see him schemed up in a way that 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 makes sense, right? What I'm anxious to do this week Tuesday when I look at the all 22 on here is see what what percentage of the time that our route combinations one versus the defensive coverages because we've said this in the past when we get into pass heavy offense, you know what I'm saying? Our our route combination doesn't win versus the defense that's called. So guess what? I can have the best protection in the world. I could have Brett. I could have uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers back there. But if my route combination is not winning versus the defense's coverage, and it's not always about the primary receiver, the secondary route has to win. Like the 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 the, the tertiary route has to win, so to speak. Like there has to be a number of route combinations that's. That's open. And this is what this is why I get on the ass of the fan base, because guess what? They'll watch the live broadcast of the game and make make an assertion about the game and the make up this team. But this will be their only time watching the game. Now, when I watch it on Tuesday, when I watch it on Wednesday, when I watch it on Thursday via all 22 and make a make a take about it, they come at you because you're doing the work. No, you tell me how. You tell me how often our route combinations are winning versus the defensive coverage call, right? So if we got a sale and a post route on, on the call and they run cover two zone, you tell me how often that's winning. And I'll listen to you, you know what I'm saying, come at Aldo or whoever about what's happening. We got to get a we gotta get a better guy in here, man. And this is my whole thing about Luke. It's not that I tried to give him an opportunity. It's not about Luke can't do it. Right. It's that Luca have a moment where, like, like Danny said, he'll have his fit first 15 where it looks good. And then he wets the bed. He's inconsistent. That's the most frustrating part about it. It's like we see you can do it from time to time, but you're so inconsistent that the moment we start to root for you and cheer for you, you go and piss down your leg. And that that is so infuriating to the fan base. And then the other part is, guess what? To the people that don't watch film outside the live broadcast, 
they'll dump it on the kid. Well, guess what? If you get Caleb Williams in here, Drake May in here, Michael Penix Jr. here, with this coordinator, you're going to see much of the same. And then I'll, while I make this point, do you have that 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 uh, slide that, that I, I we flashed during before 55 that compared the Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, Joe Flacco? I'm not Joe yeah. Flacco, or Joe Burrow. But if you can bring it up, that'd be great because for for the staff boys like like Ben McDonald on the chat, I want, I want to show him something that may, maybe he hasn't seen uh, at all. But anyway, the the point I want to make here, all uh, coaches, is even even when just you know the biggest thing about Justin is is you know, does he have to speed up his, his play clock? Sure, that doesn't. I, I think he's got to work on the offseason is is his mental play clock. But they showed a, a clip today. Even the broadcast said every time he's back there dropping there, there's he's either you know there's someone in his face. You know the, the running backs can't can't keep the linebackers off of him, or, or if he's going through a progression. There's one play where he, he had he went to his to his right one progression two progression. By the time he get back to his check down. There was a guy in his face already, so he didn't have time to go through a full progression. One, either. Two, so, yeah, so it's, it's like it's like if, if he goes through his check down, he's getting sacked. If he doesn't go through his check down, he's gonna have to kind of you know play you know street ball and, and just gonna run away from things and make things happen. So the touchdown to Comet is what he did with street ball. He got away and, and made a made a terrific play. That should have been another touchdown to the Tunyon that Tunyon dropped early in the first half. You know, so, so there are plays out there that are being made, but then just the, the creativity to be able to get. Guys like Komet in space, or even like you said, maybe a Mooney in space and stuff like that, just wasn't there with this offense coordinator. Just make easy throws, get the ball out of Justin's hands to to help alleviate some of the pass rush pressure that Garrett and those boys were, were putting on them. And you know, and again, this was a big test for me for for Braxton Jones. I think for the most part, he had an okay game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got tossed around a couple times. You know, but that happens against against a man like man beast like like you know Miles Garrett, but. Again, the, the offensive line didn't have a great game. Tevin Jenkins got hurt in the first half. That's a huge loss, you know. And then you know, Whitehair came in there. So, offensive line wasn't great, but they weren't horrible either, you know. So, I, I think I think this was a game where offensively, if you had some some creativity, if you had something there from the coordinator, from the coaching to help you beat some of this Pull pressure, you could have pulled it out. And yet, yeah. they still could have pulled it out if Darnell Mooney. The ball is literally in his lap. He's on the ground in the end zone. Just corral that ball. And they win the game, but let me, let me ask a question though. Let me ask a question. Are are we all right? Jim Schwartz has the best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Were we expecting too much from Luke to come out now? I and I asked the question because I think it stings worse because Luke was right there with 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 the help of our defense and the performance of our defense. Luke was right there. I mean, get get another field goal. Off those turnovers, a touchdown off ask. those turnovers. Right. I it, ask at, at post game show why at the end of the first half why not go for the field goal? Okay, he might not have been kicking it in, in a pregame, but it's is that is to me is that a better, better than a Mary. points and throwing up a hail mary? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I see that to me. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to help the guy, <laughs> even though he keeps pissing this. I'm still, I'm still trying to help the guy and say, look, man, come on, like, are we? It's it's Jim Schwartz, right? Top defense in the league without all their star players. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Are we are we expecting too much from this guy? I don't know. I don't know. I think the talent, I think the players always, whether it's whether it's Justin, whether it's DJ, whether it's Cole, our entire offense has to overcome him. And it's absolutely too much. We we get another coordinator. And I believe we're off to the races. It'll look like night and day. And then everybody will come back and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you guys were right then. All right. 
but you gotta get the right coordinator, right coordinator that right. can take the the strengths of Justin and the strengths of DJ Moore and Cole Komet and whoever else the third receiver is, whether it's a you know a rookie from the draft, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, whoever you bring in here, Keon Coleman, that's a ton of ton of uh, talent in the draft at receiver. And just build off of that, and and a young offensive line that I think is coming out. Now, whether you need a new left tackle or not, we'll doubt. You know, three more games, we can finally, I guess, come to a conclusion there. But you know, guys, Tevin Jenkins, I love the guy, I love guard, but he can't stay healthy, and that's an yeah. issue. That's a problem. Yeah. And Definitely. he's a guy that's going into a finally of his contract. And you know, do you do you think about bringing that's in another another left tackle slash possible left guard, mm-hmm. where you know? Jenkins, Jenkins could be expendable. I mean, I love the kid. He plays hard. I, I love the, the nastiness he plays with, but he's got to stay healthy. That's that's yeah. the name of the game in this, in this league. Yeah, it's starting to look like the Bears need to rebuild the left side of the offensive line, and they'll have the assets to do that this offseason. I want to get to the defense. You know, at the at the top of the show, Danny said that the you know the defense lost this game. I I, I want to push back on that a little bit because here's here's what happened. Follow me closely here. At 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 the half in the third quarter, the Bears come out on offense, three plays and out. They punt. The the Browns throw an interception that goes for a touchdown. Then when they get the ball again, they punt. The Bears get the ball. They go on a nine-play, 47-yard drive. They get a field goal. The Browns come out with the ball after the field goal, three plays, and minus 10 yards. We lost your audio, Aldo. Lost your audio. Fuckers didn't pay for that commercial, so fuck them. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I think I left off the uh, Browns and Bears exchanged punts. Actually, the, the, the Browns punted three times on their first possessions. And then after the Bears went for it on fourth down, they the the Browns on a six play drive. 52 yards, a couple of big plays, a couple of explosive plays. They get a field goal, so the defense still held. That's it's 17 to 10. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Then the offense comes out, three plays, six yards out. They hold again. The defense holds again, three plays, zero, zero yards. And then the Bears come out, six plays, 14 yards. And this, again, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming Luke Getze because he had no idea what he was doing in terms of the strategic play calling, and that's when things started to fall apart. This defense was tired. The Browns came out six plays, 80 yards, explosive play as after explosive play. Then the Bears came out three plays, minus two yards. They punt, and the Browns then come out for their final drive and get the uh, winning field goal. I go back to the, to the three consecutive three and outs. You got to mm-hmm. get points right there because mm-hmm. because based off of what I heard, Aldo, you got three consecutive three and outs. They drive long drive field goal momentum shift right there. Three consecutive playing out. That's when the play count starts to go up for the defense and the the the, the momentum shift happens. They they three straight three consecutive three, three and outs. They go down, score a field goal, come back the next drive. The Browns have that's when they get the big play. Mm hmm. That's pulling the, the air is out the stadium right here. They get the big play. So Kevin Stefanski dials up the, you know what I'm saying, the deep, the deep curl route versus the post route. You know what I'm saying? Uh Brisker get caught peeking down at the at the deep curl route, gets out of position. Eddie has to chase him down on that one play. Boom. And then later on, the uh the Cooper play that nobody tackles the guy, gets him down. So 
momentum shift. It's all about momentum. And you have to do your job on a complimentary football. These we can't leave these guys out there all day long, man. Great mm -hmm. defense. We we're we're trending towards great. We're not great yet. Yeah. We, we've been playing some good ball. I'll give them all the credit for it. You right. know, pass rush getting there, getting pick uh interceptions. Great. We're trending towards great. We're not there. We're not a place where we can just say, this is not our team that we took to the Super Bowl in 2007 or the 85 team, where we can say, we don't care what the offense does. We just came here to play good defense. We, we Hell, we'll, we'll count on the defense getting 14 points, right? That's not them. So... They, that, they, that's the wrong thing, coaches. Is, is is like they're 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 building a, a good defense. Ever since Montez Sweat's gone on this team, it's, this has been a, a solid good defense. But if you're gonna tell me that this is a head, defensive mind head coach and that they're building through the defense and their defense is gonna be great, you got to do your job. And I understand the offense didn't do their part and they, they put them back on the field and, and consecutive. But at the double digit a fourth quarter lead, the third one this year that that's been blown by this defensive unit by this. You know this the head coach who's a defensive coordinator as, as well. So that's the thing. It's me. Is like if you want to be consider yourself great or just consider yourself like a really damn good defense, you got to stop. You got to do your job. You got to go out there and you got to stop them. And and they had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter, albeit the offense didn't help them. But again, you're professional. You got to go out there. You got to get off the football field. You got to you know it's a thirty nine year old quarterback that just got pulled off the couch. You know six weeks ago, five weeks ago, whatever it was. You know you, you got to go out there. You got to stop them. You've been doing a great job throughout the whole. You know the whole game. It happened in Detroit as well. The Detroit yeah. they had that the first game in Detroit. They had them pretty much you know clogged down for three and a half quarters. And that second half, that fourth quarter, they just let the let the reins loose, let the rope go, if you will, and the, the dam broke and everything. They just scored points. So you got to be able to get off the field and secure those double digit double digit points. I remember Lance Briggs and Brian Orlacco would say, "Give us seventeen points, we'll win this game." You know, right. that, that was a great defense. You know, if, right. you, if you give us – and they got 17 points, right? They should have probably more, right? They should have maybe could have had a field goal in the first half. The touchdown that Tunyon dropped, that, that's that 10 points right there. But 17 points, you're up by 10. You should be able to stop these guys and, and come away with, with a victory here today. And that's, that's what I was trying to say. It's, let me it's, ask you a question, Danny. A is that, you that. Let me ask you a question, Danny. Is that a player problem or a system problem to you that, that for, thing, for defense? I, do, I we think, not, think, do we have I enough dogs to finish? I I don't think we have enough dogs yet. I think we need a I need another defensive tackle. Okay, I think that I think we need another. Believe it or not, I think we need another ball hawking safety. I think right. Eddie Jackson had a pick today. I, I I'm he's not the, the the playmaker that he was in the past, and I, I don't know if it's a loss of step or whatnot. Um, he had a pick today. It was great. Yeah, but but I think I think I think we I kind of broke down Jaquan Brisker uh, this last picks uh before fifty five. I think he's more of a. I know they don't call this, they don't use this term anymore because of the way the NFL is box now, but safety. he's more like in box safety. Yeah, he's, yeah. He loves contact. He wants to be around the line of scrimmage. His his strength is being near or, or at the line of scrimmage, right? He's not great in coverage. He's okay in coverage, not great. But I think we need another ball hawking safety to possibly replace Eddie Jackson. But I think we need another game wrecking. Well, we need another defensive end opposite of Montez Sweat. We need a speed guy. Um, opposite and we need another defensive tackle inside i think then you're gonna have enough guys but the thing with today was and the thing that's happened the past couple examples i've given it's just it's breakdown and in, in execution and assignments getting your head turned around incorrectly not turning around you know if, if both times a, a couple of big plays if stevenson had a great game today if he turns around and he just looks for that ball he could pick off that that big throw to Amari Cooper down down the sideline early in the first half uh that brisker touchdown that uh and cut if he just turns his head just turns and that was a great play by, by Njoku. Great, you know, hand strength and being able to keep his, you know, his his feet in bounds. But 
just turn your head and you'll be able to get the hands on a ball, maybe pick it off or, or knock it away. So it's just, you know, it's small things here and there that if they just fix those, they could potentially have make big plays as well. So, but again, it's, it's, it's three double digit blown leads in the, in the second half, fourth quarters, if you will, this team should be sit, sitting at eight and six. The reason why I asked the question, because player personnel challenges to me are less important than systemic challenges. The offense has a system problem. We have enough players on offense where we right. can be productive, more productive than we've been. The yeah. opposite is true for the defense, right? They have, they have, uh, they have uh, a good system, but not enough dogs. And what to do, what we should take away from today more than anything, especially when you're looking at this Cleveland Browns defense, is what a good system can get you both on both sides of Cleveland's. Uh, of the ball for Cleveland because they're down players all over, but Jim Jim Schwartz and Kevin Stefanski, their systems and their play calling erased all of that, and that's why that football team should be proud because they are they have force multipliers at both both coordinator positions, and I don't think anybody probably would have considered Jim Schwartz a candidate for a head coaching job again, but if he keeps putting up numbers with this defense again, he's probably going to get another crack at being somebody's head coach again. Guys, uh, uh, let me interrupt you. Um, we're still waiting for Matty Rufus to hit the podium, but I really would love for you guys to answer this question. Uh, Vince asked, Danny and Coach T, I'd never stick up for Getsy, but how much of his crappy play calling can be attributed to Justin Fields' limitations? It's a fair question. So, uh, Coach, uh, start with you. I would I would counter that question about with what limitations. Yeah, that's my point too. What you know what I'm saying? What what limit? What limitations make? Uh, what throws can't what can't we not make? Right. What what system? What scheme? What concept can we not do with Justin in the game? Right. You know what I'm saying? I've made the comment. I've broken down the ball. Get the ball out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, take to every which way can be broken down, right? You know what I'm saying? I can't play that clip enough. If you line up a fullback versus a corner versus a cornerback, I'm not throwing that ball. Why are we doing that? We did it last week again. We ran empty formation with Corey Blasting game lined up versus a quarterback in empty formation, right? And that's not doing anything for you schematically or strategically as a football team. What I, I, I retort that with what limitations, right? We speak, I, I would honestly answer the question. If you tell me what limitations you really believe that's out there, then I'll answer those specifically. I don't see the limitations that people are talking about. You can throw, make every throw. You can make plays when plays break down. The touchdown we did have, which is one a day, right? Was that my, 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 I got a question for you now. The question, the touchdown we did have today, was that a design player call mm -hmm. or was that due to the athleticism yeah. and the, you know what I'm saying, the dynamic, dynamic playability of the, of the quarterback. Now, yeah. how, how many times throughout the season has that happened? Was it the play call or was it the fact that we had a guy that, that, that can overcome the play call and make a play? So. 
let's talk yeah. about those limitations because I would love to see what everybody else is, the perspective you're right. seeing it from. In, in terms of holding the football, like today, I mean, I, unless I go back and look at the All-22 and I see a guy running wide open, I didn't see anybody coming wide open. I saw pressure in his face every single damn time he dropped back to throw it. So anyway, he said in the pocket. You talked about Unless, before look. making throws from the pocket. He makes throws from the pocket. Talk about him using his legs. He uses his legs to make plays. He can make every throw in the book. Now, so that's the thing. It's like, what are the limitations? There's always going to be this narrative on Justin Fields' limitations. Okay. I mean, I'm, is he well, – tell me. Like you said, Coach, you, you asked a question right back to them. What are the limitations you're talking about? But but let's I'll, – I'll go even step further with that, Danny. You know what I'm saying? Even when you watch all 22, if you show me – because everybody was like, well – I picked, I saw one play or two plays where a guy was open, right? And he's starting he's starting a progression though. He's starting that's what I'm saying. If you could tell me, if you could tell me where he was in the progression, right? Because because the progression might have been right to left, and the guy you're talking about was open was way on the left side. Okay, right. he was the fourth or fifth guy in the progression. Okay, but still beyond that, if you can if you can give me or show me more than 10% of the plays. Right, ten percent, uh, ten percent of the plays where a guy was open. Meaning today, he threw forty passes. If you can show me more than three or four passes where a guy was running wide open, because I watch a lot of tape. I watch tape from other teams. Russell Wilson had several. He has several plays throughout the course of a game where a guy appears to be wide open. Any Josh quarter, Allen. yeah, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. You, any quarterback's gonna have plays on a tape. Where it sees, like I said, ten percent, where the guy seems like he's wide open. If it's more than that, that's a conversation. If it's not, we're talking about just football. Guys, it looks like uh, Iberflus is at the podium, uh, and the audio they're sending us is very, very low. Let's see if we can get something decent out of uh, out of what's going on over here. Ain't nothing decent coming out of that. <laughs> I can't hear him at all. I I could tell something even though we can't hear from this. This mm -hmm. this, this one strong, man. This yep. one hurt. This one hurt. Yep. I say let's let's skip uh, the coach yeah. today, given that uh, the Bears media team really doesn't want us to listen to it with that shitty audio that they're sending us, and it will be <laughs> the same for Justin Fields. So I urge all of the people who uh, want to hear those interviews or those press conferences to check them out after our show. They'll be found on the uh, Chicago Bears YouTube channel. Um, guys, got more bad news, guys, got more bad news. Carolina uh -oh. today. Yeah, exactly. So they've got two victories. We The Bears still have the number one overall pick, but, yeah, it becomes a little bit more uh, tenuous, no doubt about it. Guys, I, I do want to get back to this conversation about limitations. And, again, you know, I, I always will, will preface what I say here. I, I am not, you know, a, 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 an expert by any means on evaluating tape and so forth. And so that's why I like to go to people like Kurt Warner and uh, and some of the other people who break down tape. You know, one of the things that Kurt has repeatedly said, and I know his style of football is totally, totally different than what Justin Fields is. But one of the things, and it's it's it echoes in my mind, he keeps telling Justin, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. This man is open. Throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. It, it's become his mantra, especially 
in 2022. This season, when I've seen him break down Chicago Bears tape, it hasn't been as much. But he has not only complained about the Lou Getze schemes and, and has said things like, I don't know what the hell he's trying to, Getze is trying to do here. He's very, very uh, critical of Lou Getze's scheme. But the one thing that echoes in my mind is that there are times where it appeals, appears. Justin is looking straight at the open receiver and that takes his head off of him. And I worry sometimes because I, I love Justin and I think he can be a great quarterback, but I do worry that sometimes the deluge of data that's being thrown at him, whether it's from the offensive coordinator, it's probably the offensive coordinator, the crowd noise, what his players are telling him, blah, 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 blah. You know, I've, I've I've played enough sports to know. Hey, I'm fucking joking here because my mind isn't a hundred percent on the game. I I wonder if that same thing sometimes happens to Justin. So, Coach T, please. I, I would take I would take some of the the like the crowd noise and all the 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 peripherals out of it, and I'll mm -hmm. say I'll say this right. I, I won't take any of that away. I'll say this. If I have to be responsible for 80% of my offense, and I'm going back to the Minnesota game, the second one, right? If I have, if I have to overcome my offensive coordinator, if I have to always make a play, right? It's, it's going to get to anybody. Like if it's not, a, it's it's 11 guys on on the uh, on the offense. Okay, snap of the ball. I got to avoid the de defensive tackle, nose tackle. Because he's going to be in my lap at the snap of the ball. I still got to read coverages, right? So I got to avoid the defensive tackle. I got to run. While I'm running, I got to look down the field. Like, we, we, need to, we need to personnel up and system up on the offensive side of the ball. It's a lot to overcome. And like I said, I don't care. I mean, not that much. I care about the Chicago Bears winning. But I don't care enough to just, just go all out and try to make complete excuses for Justin Fields as a quarterback if we get a guy in that's great but if you keep this same you you give the same personnel and the same play caller to anybody we're gonna have the same conversation i don't care who it is we're gonna have the same conversation they might be able to get the ball out of their hands quote unquote a little bit quicker if you will he doesn't he doesn't listen i can admit it. he doesn't have the quickest release in the world Watch this. Doesn't have the quickest release in the world. But guess what? There are plenty of people who have played the quarterback position that doesn't don't have a lightning quick release. Plenty of people who have played the quarterback position that don't have a lightning quick uh, quick release. Here's the other thing, Aldo, and I think you were trying to get me to say this last week, but I wasn't picking <laughs> up on what you were putting down. So okay. my apologies for that. Okay. <laughs> What a lot of the fan base can't recognize because they don't they haven't seen enough good quarterback play is this or or variations of quarterback play is right. a lot of the people that are Justin Fields detractors, if you will, they don't not like they do not not like Justin Fields. They prefer a traditional style quarterback. Right. So it comes it comes off as if they don't like Justin Fields. This is something I had to resolve in my own mind and break down like listen to other people talk i'm like okay i'm listening to you talk you don't have the football terminology uh, uh 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 lexicon to be able to articulate what you're trying to say in football terms so what i'm hearing is 
you don't not you do not not like Justin Fields. You don't like the style of play, as as Cam Newton put out there. You guys want Peyton Manning type of stats. You want 350, 400, four touchdowns, one interception, three touchdowns, one interception. You want fantasy stats. Well, guess what? Justin may watch this. We don't know. Justin may or may not be a Cam Newton style quarterback. But guess what? Until you get the right coordinator, we'll mm -hmm. never know the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the way they're using him is like a Cam Newton. But I still believe if you get the right coordinator, we could have somewhere in between a great hybrid between a pocket style Cam Newton style quarterback. I mean, uh, Peyton Manning style quarterback and a guy with the ability once things break down and they go off schedule that he can make plays. The problem is everything is off schedule. Everything breaks down and it can't be 90%, 85%, 80% of our plays where a play breaks down such as the touchdown and he makes an amazing play and everybody's like, yeah, that was great. But when it goes bad, it's like, Oh, the guy sucks. Well, what is it? <laughs> Good point. The thing with, with, and go back to all the what you said about Kurt Warner and then those tapes. Like to me, Justin, once he early on in the season, yes, there were a lot of those examples where Kurt Warner broke down and, and, and other other I saw on tape, I showed Coach T saw on tape as well, where, where there are guys that opened, Justin was staring him, just not pulling the trigger. That was but after his his injury, after he came back from the injury, that first Detroit game, I haven't seen him. I mean, I just haven't seen guys running wide open free and Justin just not throwing the ball to them. So I think I think that's something that that he's kind of gone through. And and then I wish we could put that that chart up there. But you know, comparing his last seventeen games and even this this broadcast, they showed his first thirty games versus his last thirty games. I think it might have been thirty five to thirty five. You know, he's improved night and day in terms of his production, his quarterback rating, his touchdown production, everything else. So, I mean, the guy keeps getting better, but it's like every missed throw, every missed guy, it's like, oh, Justin Fields got to go. You think Caleb Williams or, or or Drake May are sure things to come in here and be – don't tell me what, what the hell Mel Kuyper is saying, all these guys that, that work for ESPN that, that get fired whenever they want to get fired. They, they're not – these guys, sorry, these, but, guys are, these guys are left at less than 50 percent is not a generational talent he hasn't proven that to be a generational talent i'm sorry he's six one barely gonna be six one there's no six one quarterback that's a generational talent go check it up stat boys whoever out there is fact checking this stuff go look it up uh in terms of yeah a release could be a quicker sure it could be a quicker release my thing with justin is is that he's got to improve on is that play clock in his head just yeah. know that ball's got to come out you can't just hold on to a ball anymore this is not where you can run around and and, and just make guys. a play. Sure, it works here and there. It worked in our, that first touchdown today, but one, two, three, bam, ball's got to come out. Whether you, you don't, if you don't find anybody, tuck it and get out of there or just throw the ball away. That's the thing he's got to get better on. He's gotten a little bit better on. As I said, once he came back from that thumb injury versus that first Detroit game, I think he's gotten better in terms of operating the pocket, operating the offense and the commanding offense and whole. So I just add another weapon out there, add another tight end that compliments Cole Komet that could catch balls on the field. AKA not Robert Tunyon and, uh, and then a center in the middle, solidify the offensive line, maybe a left tackle. We'll see what, how this season ends up with Braxton Jones. But I think, I think he got the makings of a pretty good offense there. And obviously putting another coordinator in there to kind of, you know, help spice things up offensively and build everything around Justin. And I think things will change. This, this is what I know to be true. This, this is a fact. When people look at the game taper, even all 22, right. They can they can look at an all 22 tape. And I'm not talking about Colt Kurt Warner. I'm talking about just regular Joe Schmoes. 
they can look at an all 22 and say, hey, I would have thrown the ball here. I would have thrown the ball there. When it start, when you start talking about progressions, most people can't have a conversation about progressions, right? But I know for a fact, most people can't have a conversation about concepts, right? And how play flow should go, how this concept sets up that concept, how you get from, how do you get from first to third smartly? That's what I'm talking about when I say flow and feel for the game and setting things up. How do you smartly get from first to third? Meaning what first down play leads to a great second down play call leads to a third down play call where when I get in the third down situation, it's third and four or less. And not often enough with this guy do we get ourselves in situations smartly from first down to third down. And we've seen it even when we get in third and short and fourth and fourth and short, fourth and one, third and one or less. Even when it's a layup, not enough times with this guy does it just the result of it end up being a layup, meaning you just run the simple play, get the first down and move the charts, right? But at the same time, with the same fan base, when the quarterback makes an amazing play, that's a special play. Nobody else could have made that play in all of football, right? You're dismissive of that, right? Even you can diagnose that was a great play, right? And see it's a diagnosis. But what you can't do is diagnose what you don't know. And that's the blind spot of the fan base. And I don't expect every fan to be a schematics X and O's expert. But what I'm telling you is what we do is offer simple explanation to how you do that or what's happening. Or else I wouldn't foot stomp the, the ideals and the principles that I stand on when I say it. It doesn't make sense a lot of times. Our game plan does not make a lot of sense. And what Aldo was saying about, you know, all the things that affect uh, uh, Justin Fields as a quarterback, guess what? If there's no continuity to us, the people that can see the film and understand what we're looking at, imagine what it's like to a guy that's actually getting to receiving a play call through his helmet on the field, right? You're just playing out what the coordinator telling you to do. You have no idea of, you know, man, this call is trash in this situation. I my I have to be laser focused, late uh uh tapped in, and I have to call what the guy is calling me. You don't have enough uh, uh a situational awareness to be like that's trash right now. Let me check out of this call on my own. It's so many things going on. You got to be locked in for that call. And what I'm saying is. Get yourself in a situation where a guy lets you play with rhythm and feel, right? This basically what I'm what I'm seeing out on the field is two guys on different sheets of music. They're they're not they're not connected in concert. There is two. It's a couple dancing with each other, and one guy's dancing off beat. One guy's clapping on the three and the four, three the one and the three, and the other guy's clapping on the two and the four. Mm -hmm. Right? They're dancing mm -hmm. to one guy's dancing to the lyrics. And the other guy's dancing to the beat. That's exactly what's going on right now. It's crazy oh. to me. Aldo yeah, said that's me. Nothing about a quarterback that Luke Getty, Luke Getty is comfortable with calling for. You know, the, the, the games that, that Luke Getty is comfortable calling, it just, and this is the stat. Oh, thank you, Aldo. He found he found the chart. Oh, look at that, guys. Hey, for the stat boys, Ben out there, Statland. Look at the last 17 games. Look at this. These are these are elite 
type quarterbacks, right? Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and eh, it's still a record out there for but, me. But but your stat boys, your stat boys, uh, uh, uh Danny, they don't care. I, and I and I'm gonna say it, Aldo. Guess what? I'm gonna say it because nobody wants to have a conversation. They tiptoe around the conversation like we're not grown men and kind of had a conversation. But put it back up, uh, Aldo, because I want to make a point right here. Guess what? Traditionally, the the three guys to the right are the quarterbacks that everybody loves because they play a traditional style quarterback. But the quarterback position is evolving. So they're dismissive of the the 1,237 yards down to the left, and they devalue the guy to the left. And watched out. You can come back up now, Aldo. And and guess they're going to say, say the record. Look at the record. Well, look at the teams around the quarterback. Right, right. Look at right. the teams around those other three quarterbacks and look at the team around, around Justin Fields. But but I'm trying to help the fan base out too because this, this is what I believe that happens, Danny and Aldo. This is how the conversation becomes toxic about race when we talk about quarterback play because and – and, and I've learned how to intelligently have a conversation about this and not run away from the hard discussion. Man, I can't get the lighting right to save my life. It's, it's, a cloudy, it's a cloudy overcast day here in Georgia. But traditionally, we prefer the stat line quarterbacks. The quarterback position is evolving. And it's okay to say, like I've had friends that say, hey, T, straight up, I prefer this style of quarterback, right? But if you don't have the words to articulate what you're seeing, then you'll just say, He's trash and you dismissive of him. And all it is is something different that you're not accustomed to. You don't have words to put. You don't have language to put to what you're feeling. So what people are experiencing, and you better get used to it, that the Justin Fields, the Jalen Hurts, uh, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, they're coming. They're coming, coming. The, they're coming, coming to the city. They're coming to the city. Guess they're, what? They're Watch this. Draft. Watch this. Your boy Caleb Williams, everybody. Guess what? He's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's, <laughs> yes. Can can he throw? Can he throw from the pocket? Yes. Yeah. But watch this. The 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 multiple quarterback is coming. And so the other stat that that Aldo probably doesn't happen is have it have it on hand is if you go back if you go and look at the injury list on the quarterback list right now. How many of those guys are on that injury list? Mm-hmm. All three of them. I rest my case, Your Honor. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and coach, going back to Getzey, I think Getzey, his system would prefer one of those other three quarterbacks just because they're more the pocket passer. They do everything from the pocket. I don't think that's what I'm saying. Like Getzey match with 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 Justin's skill set isn't. And then that's what you were talking about earlier. Like you know, they're they're, they're off the rhythm. They're not. He's, on the, iPhone, the he's an iPhone ten. It's an uh, iPhone you know, 10 offense. Another example with, with Getty, just, just keeping it simple. Like that, that jet sweep handoff, it worked twice earlier in the game. Instead of going for a third, third time, line up in the same formation, run the same play action, but have a different play set off of that motion, off of that, because now Cleveland's going to say, oh, he's going to go for a third, third time. Right. Bam, you take it to, to Jet Sweep, to, to Tyler Scott, and then you run it another way or opposite a direction and get a first on. That's what we talk about build off of your successful plays using the same formation using coming off of the same concepts but just have different different plays off of them and that's how you become successful danny is right the rule is for offensive coordinator this is why we talk right same look a thousand different outcomes right so example you have the you have the jet sweep let it run through fake it give it to the running back you got to give on a jet sweep 
right? And actually run a jet sweep. You could fake fake it and then just run play action off of it. There's mm-hmm. three different plays I've given yeah. you, yeah. and you didn't, and then you didn't see two of them. Sitting down, just having a conversation. Three there was time. three play. Yeah, you seen you saw one version of that play. Yeah. And we got we got to get there smartly. So we, you know, guess he's right. I hate to be so cruel on the guy, but he's he's still on Windows ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of people in the chat, you know, saying, you know, this is about race. No, it's about athletic quarterbacks. It no, doesn't no, no, matter. No, no. That's why I say that's why I mentioned Aldo. We gotta how to be able to have an intelligent don't don't not you, Aldo, but I don't want people to no, go I off. I don't want them to go off the rails with the race topic, right? Be sure. men, be men. Let's have an intelligent conversation about okay. it. Okay, right? Are mm-hmm. there it, can it can can it be perceived on an outer later as a racial issue? Yes, but what it boils down to is this is why I like to use the word implicit bias because we all have implicit biases because we all have blind spots. Guess what? My dad has a great saying: even a Bentley or a Mercedes or a Porsche 911 has rearview mirrors and side mirrors. Even the most expensive vehicle has a blind spot. So a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. We have our preferences because of our experiences, what we're exposed to. So it's not that this guy's a racist or this guy's not a racist, whatever. Yes, those guys are out there, but we all have our implicit biases because we don't have exposure to everything. What we're trying to do is expose you to the full spectrum of quarterback play and let you decide. If you still say, guess what? I understand it. I don't like it, then fine, that's okay. But at least you have the knowledge now to be able to articulate better what you're feeling about instead of saying, throw the whole damn thing away. And I rest my case. I'm sorry, go on, Aldo, finish your point, Aldo. No, I was just going to say, you know, that um, we all have paradigms about how the game should be played. Right. there, There are still a million fans who want the Mike Ditka style of coaching, who want, you know, uh, what we learned and saw in the sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties, we want to apply it to today's football. Well, the game changes. And now that racial boundaries have at least made the impact where coaches at the college level can respect what an African-American quarterback or a more athletic quarterback can do. They're putting them in the game for good reason. They win. They play well. And they want to win. And so that's now what's happening in the NFL. And we are seeing, I think Coach T sees it very, very clearly. I see it at times, and I'm I'm sure Danny sees it at times, that some of the complaints towards Justin Fields don't allow for our own implicit biases of thinking, yeah, you know, uh, this guy, you know, he, he has a different style of playing quarterback. Add up the yardage that he's responsible for, and it adds up to what these other quarterbacks are right. accomplishing. You got the Cam Newton clip. That's that's the, that's the one that <laughs> brought, it, that's the one that brought it home for me. If, if yeah. we can go back real quick to that that chart again, although sure. Besides the rushing yards, look at the passer rating, guys. Mm-hmm. Look at the passer rating. Look, look at the completion percentage. You know, interception numbers are, are lower, except for Justin Herbert's. Touchdowns are right there on par with him. The passing yards aren't there, but the look at the if you add the passing and rushing yards, like what what also saying, and add the rushing touchdowns, Justin Fields is outperforming some of these elite style quarterbacks. But yet he's he, he's getting killed by 
you know, the, the four letter network, some guys out there, the, the, some of the fans is like, if, if you get this guy, another weapon on the outside, another, uh, a couple more offensive linemen, I'm telling you, this guy can win for you and he can win big for you guys. And just don't give up on Justin Fields, Chicago. That's yeah, what they I'm don't, uh, again, you see, this is what I mentioned early, Danny. You see the completion percentage, right? Exactly. You, you see the completions percentage. You see the productivity. It's really boils down to us, us, or those of those. They're, they're caught up in the end result of Chicago Bears not winning again and us entering the fan blame cycle of quarterback, GM, head coach. But if you really look at it, you know what I'm saying, right next to each other, it boils down to style points. Because guess what? Now, now we can have a conversation about, you know what I'm saying, does this style win or will this style win a quarterback? I mean, a Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, guess what happens, folks? Nobody, nobody knows if the style of win, no, no, this style of quarterback can win a Super Bowl until guess what? Till somebody does it. Till uh, Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl. Well, uh, Cam Newton got close. Well, I mean, he got close. It was that's what I'm saying. We we've had close call. We Jalen Jalen Hurts was there last year, right? There, so, you know? so 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 we've seen over the years too, Coach. Don't forget, uh, um, uh, Steve McNair. Steve McNair started off as, as a, a back then was just a running quarterback. He became into a, a pocket passing quarterback. Donovan McNabb came out as, as a running quarterback, became a, a good passing, you know, a pocket passing quarterback. So de these kids can develop, just give them some more time. We're seeing it now. We're seeing it now with, with, with uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, we're, we're seeing it develop. Just give this kid time just to give up on this kid and that talent, that first touchdown, not a lot of quarterbacks make that play guys. Not a lot of make that play. To be able to get away and, and on the run, flip his hips, throw a bullet, strike to the uh, on an accurate throw to to uh, Cole Komet, you know. And the other one, the the one that that Tunyon dropped, that's a hell of a play, you know. So just do not give up on Justin Fields. Just add some more, keep this kid, add some more talent, build a better team around him. And I'm telling you, defense is on its way. You just got to add some more dogs there as well. And I'm telling you, you're gonna have a solid damn team here, and you're gonna have a quarterback that's gonna win a lot of games for you. Yeah, the one. Uh... The one thing that I will also remind, and I apologize if you guys have already said this, but you got to also look at what has happened in Justin Fields' career. He was brought in, and Matt Nagy was a lame duck offensive coordinator slash head coach. And then he gets he gets a whole new offense, a whole new scheme, plus Ryan Pose completely started over with the roster. And so That's he was. So bad, though. That's why the record's so bad for him. Ex exactly. So you got to take that into account when you're looking at what Justin Fields has been in, in, you know, thrust into the. He is. This is you know. So when you're comparing him to those three other quarterbacks, it's a very very impressive stat. And I know that Zach Sullivan and some of my other friends in the chat room have said, "Well, why aren't the fumbles on there?" Well, yeah, some of those fumbles it's have been on Justin Fields. Yes. Yeah. Like, no, 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 listen, listen, we care about the fumbles. Put the fumble stats up there, right? We got to stop moving the goalposts. If you put mm -hmm. the chart back up there, what 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 do we usually label? What do we usually connect with a bus? And it, it's not fumbles. We don't usually label or connect fumbles with a bus. We usually connect that bottom number under there, interception. And completion percentage with a with a surefire bust. A fumble, fumbles, I can go in and I can coach that week to week. I can put you in situations. But what I cannot coach is a guy that just checks out 
really totally just throws the ball to the other team. You can't coach that. And that's what you usually connect. Uh, you can't you can't you connect a, a bus with guys who don't have a work ethic, who don't care about the game. Those guys are the guys you usually connect with the bus. The guys that have more interceptions than touchdowns. Those are fumbles. You can put the fumble stat up there. I would not run away from that. But I know also I can get an individual drills and put you on individual drills and wet ball drill you. You can work on that, uh, yes. Yeah, like those are that, things yeah. you can coach out yeah. of it. You can't coach a 1,200 yards rushing, eight touching rushing touchdowns to go with 25 passing touchdowns or 3,000 yards passing. This is what you can – and, again, the record is because of what Aldo said. They tore down the, the team around him, and he was playing with nothing. And now mm -hmm. he got a receiver in D.J. Moore. He's got a tight end, Cole Komet. He's got a solid three three or four offensive linemen in front of him. And we saw some of the production we've had this year. Add a couple more – add to that. Keep adding to it. Keep building around this kid. The team loves him. He's a leader on offense. The team will run through a wall for him. And that's that's yeah. the most important thing. And one of the what most I, important things that we don't see as fan bases, but his, his connection to the players in the locker room, the team, defensive guys love him, the offensive guys love him. That is huge for a starting quarterback. And, and we have to be honest, man. And, and this is, I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but I, you know what I'm saying? This is Chicago. You know what I'm saying? For people that live in the fishbowl of Chicago, you don't have a you don't have an understanding of the perception of Chicago of people. Who have who have traversed other regions and live in other regions and have a different perspective on it. Chicago is based off of nostalgia and tradition. It's married to the lures of traditions past and this, that, and other. It's not considered a very progressive uh, city or state when it comes to new things and new ideas. We love we love our Chicago style hot dogs. We love Chicago pizza. We love the eighty five Bears. This, that, and all. So when you're trying to introduce something new to a, it's like somebody was trying to describe, uh, they had a food critic come into New York and he was from outside of New York trying to criticize New York food. And everybody was dismissive of what he was trying to say. They yeah. said, oh, you're not from here. You don't know, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Sometimes you need somebody from outside of the fishbowl to come in and say, guess what? The fishbowl is dirty. It's, it's not, it's not, on par with where the rest of the world is. And guess what? This is one of those cases. The rest of the the rest of the football world is zone read, RPO, dual threat quarterback, but we still trying to find an Aaron Rodgers. I also think that the record is also something that, that's being held against this quarterback. And again, like all those said, they tore the team, they tore the team around them down, right? You know, uh, or some some quarterbacks like you know Cal Orton had a had a hell of a defense and a hell of a running game in front of him, and and they won games, but it was not he wasn't a great quarterback. But oh, everyone say look at his record; he's a winning quarterback. But that wasn't Cal Orton; that was because of the team around him. And I think that the opposite is being done to Justin Fields here. You know, it's not the talent that Justin Fields puts on display; it's the look the record they lost again. But that's a, because of the team around him, and I think that's what really hurts Justin and, and the narrative around. You know the the city mostly. I think if you've talked to NFL guys, you talk to football players, you know scouts, they tell you this kid's talented, man. Just get some more people around them, some pieces around them. Get uh, you know. That's why. That's why I don't get in those them. discussions, Danny, because people stop. People that stop at record or low hanging fruit as far as stats is concerned. I'm saying that's the perceptions being yeah, labeled. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. If you don't, that's what I'm saying. If you don't, the follow lost record to me is very unfair because it's not the quarterback himself winning and losing the games. It's the team. Now he's helping, right? He's helping them win and lose, but he's not. It's not all on him. That's my thing. Right. But the the funny part about it is, if I'm having 
if I were having a similar conversation or if I were having a conversation with with Pablo, Justin's dad or Justin in person, I'm having a totally different conversation with him. And you know what I'm telling him? I'm telling him everything we said right here. But at the same time, I'm telling him, guess what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You're going to have to be a dog. You're going to have to shoulder it up and you're going to have to you're going to have to continue to overcome this dude until we get you some help. Because I'm going to tell you what happens. This is what's going to happen. It's, it's going to go one of two ways. We're going to go move on to a different quarterback. Right. And, and we keep the same coordinator and we're going to have a rinse and repeat. I mean, rinse and repeat situation. The quarterback may play a little bit better or not. Or we, we're going to be in the same place or the coordinator would have grown from year to year and maybe have learned something. I don't think so. I wouldn't really bet on it. Or we're going to stick with the guy. We're going to get a new quarterback coordinator or a senior senior assistant, like Danny said, like we said uh, last week, and you're going to see the evolution of both the quarterback and the system overall because the things that you can't teach, he does well. The things that you can teach, he struggles with. And you got, we can't not, we cannot just overlook that and go out there and find a guy, and I'm going to pick on him a little bit, and go out there and get a guy that has to run the mommy in the crowd because he's not getting what he wants on the field. I'm sorry. This is this has been a fascinating discussion. And by the way, I think I was able to salvage some decent audio from Justin Fields. I'm downloading it now so we can hear a little bit of what he said in the press conference. But and I'm 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 listening to you guys and I'm also following what is in the chat room. And there's a lot of people who agree with what's being said here, but there are also some people who disagree. And total respect to people who disagree. Total, total respect. I don't think anybody is is here is one person said, oh, you're you're talking down to the chat room. We're not talking down to the chat room by any means. What we are strongly uh, suggesting is, is that you look outside the paradigm that you are uh, that you have looked at for quarterbacks in the NFL. Things are changing. There's an, an, a new style of play. The game of football has changed. I used to have this argument with, with draft doctor Phil all the time. He said, football doesn't change. Yes, it does. The, role, the rules change. Strategy changes. The size of players changes. It changes all the fucking time. And so that's what's happening now. We have an opportunity with Justin Fields to develop a quarterback who has extraordinary talents, but they are different than the talents of Peyton, Peyton Manning. They are totally different. And so we have to look at it from that paradigm of let's utilize the talents that this particular quarterback has, Justin Fields, and develop those talents and do the play calling that will better help him be, become a better uh, play caller, the personnel around him that will help him be a better quarterback. Oh, there's so many other factors. Yeah, but Thank that's you. not that's and that's not on you, Aldo. Right? That's not on you. I'll show. I'll shoulder. I'll shoulder any discussion about you know what I'm saying talking down to the chat because guess what? I'm built like that. Guess what, guys? I I, I call plays. I was an offensive coordinator, and guess what? Guess what has to be built into an offensive coordinator. Don't give a fuck got to be built into offensive coordinators because guess what? You got hundreds, thousands of people in the crowd that think they know your job better than you. And guess what? I, I may come off and I and I heard this before. It might come off a little bit as asshole, but I know what I know. I know and I'm not backing off of that shit for nobody. Do you understand me? 
So that's not an Aldo thing. I'm going to speak on what I know. This is a game that I love. It's not a Chicago Bears thing. It's a from the from the ground up a game. Guess what? For fun, I look at tape, right? And it's a game that I love and study day in and day out. So I'm not backing off on my takes and especially the work that I do. Aldo knows that by now about me. I'm not back. If I do if I put in the work, if I'm putting in the work, I'm going to stand on my takes. Now, if I wasn't putting in the work, if I was just a meatball just on here talking, then I'd be like, all right, whatever. But it's not about talking down to the chat. It's about educating. And even for those that don't want to hear the education part, guess what? That's it's not for you. It's for the people that want deeper understanding. And if it comes off as asshole to you, then guess what? I don't know what to tell you. Like my boy George Clinton said, two tears in the bucket. Fuck it. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right. I want to share with you a uh, comment from Berlissimo, my, my good friend from across the pond. He says, he wrote, writes here, what the Bears showed today was that they have enough talent on defense to be good. They have enough talent on offense to be competent. And we have enough incompetence coaching to find ways to beat ourselves. Berlissimo, that's poetry, brother. That is poetry. That is outstanding analysis. Berlissimo has a way with words. He does. <laughs> he, he does. But frankly, you know, I wish I would have started the show with those words. Berlissimo, you should be my scriptwriter. <laughs> because, you know, I went off on this emotional tangent because I was so upset. But that's really the crux of it. Uh, wouldn't you say, Danny? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, offensively, they're they're competent now with with a player like DJ Moore on the outside, Cole Komet, tight end, uh, three or four offensive starting linemen. Obviously, Justin Fields a quarterback. You add another receiver, add another stretch tight end, add another offensive lineman, and now you and a, and a coaching staff that knows how to utilize, put those players in the position to succeed. And I think you have something on offense and defensively. I said, I you know, I've been one of the bigger Matt Eberflus critics. I think on, on the station, maybe uh, although you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, but he, you know, tipped that to cap to him. That guy has gotten this defense to play well, and and they are playing good. But they, there is a, a cupboard, miss, a couple pieces here and there. Edge rusher opposite of Montez Sweat. You know, another def interior defensive lineman probably would be another solid, more solid depth there. And I think I think a safety, a ball hawking safety to replace Eddie Jackson possibly could be in the third missing piece, but. You, you got players that, I mean, I love the way TJ Edwards has been playing, right? Trey Edmonds, I wasn't a big fan of the signing, but he's been coming around. You know, he's been making plays week in and week out. Montez Sweat, I told you guys when the trade was made, this is no Chase Claypool trade. This guy can play, and this guy has been a difference maker uh, day one, right? It, it, they said something on the broadcast that I that boggles my mind. He is currently the sack Leading. leader on two separate NFL teams, Okay. <laughs> I've never seen oh, that man. before in my life. So that, that's the thing. That's like, crazy. Oh, what? And and yeah, I, he's true. He leads the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears in sacks. Okay. That's so to be all the fame right there. Front now, right? And then just give me one opposite of him, another guy in the middle, and, and again, another a ball hiking safety to, to compliment Jaquan Brisco, who does, like, does his best work at or around the line of scrimmage. I'm telling you, and the way Ibelifus has been calling this defense, I think they have a chance to become very, very, very good. Right, you got to be great. You got to be able to hold those leads, those double digit leads in, the, in those fourth quarters. You got to hold those to be considered great. Offensively, you got competent players like I just talked about, and just add to that offense, add to build on it, and then bring in maybe another offense corner, maybe bring in an offensive assistant to help Blue Getty get through the hump and create some more dynamic 
you know, um, plays or, or, or design plays and, and concept and, and play calls and all that stuff just to build around the talent he has on offense. And I'm telling you, it, it, there's something building here. You just you can't just throw Justin Fields out and go bring in a rookie because you're starting from all scratch all over again to me if you do that. Let me piggyback on what, what Danny just said, too. You said operative one, too, Danny. You said building, right? So I had a thought, Aldo and Danny, going coming into this game. Mm-hmm. We hyped this game because of after last week game, all of the conversation about playoff talk, right? We hyped this game up to be a bender. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we, we just we set ourselves up with this game because of the possibility. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a big test, right? But did 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 we learn anything new from this game? Like, did we learn? Like, did we discover something that we didn't know the entire season about this coaching staff? We we said this already, right? For me, it and, did. Coach, yeah. for me, it did. For me, I learned that this defense can compete against some of the best out there, right? Now, again, they're missing the offensive lineman. I do say that they're not a third or fourth quarterback. But this team is tough at home, Cleveland, and they held them pretty much in check for most of the game. So defensively, I think they can compete against almost everybody in the NFL. Right. Offensively, then, no, I think I think it's where you're going to go now offensively. But but it's also going about talking to your point, Danny, what you said about building, right? We we also learn from a systemic standpoint and from a coaching schematic standpoint that not just the defense can go toe-to-toe with whoever, right, a competitive team, but – Matt Eberflus can, if he, if whoever's doing the work, he or Phil Snow, they can strategically or systemically compete with other coordinators in this league. We also learned the other guy can't, right? So that's the takeaway. We can be competitive if we get certain situations fixed. Outside of that, we're, we're a five-win football team with the opportunity still, because this is going to sting in the locker room and all that other stuff. 24-hour flush rule, we still got three games, and this this team still has the opportunity to win out three ball games, and that'll make us an eight-win football team when last year we won three. See, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If we get one more win, we doubled our win total from last season. If we win out, we get eight wins. What is that really saying about the growth of a rebuilt football team year over year? Here's what I'm struggling with, Coach and Aldo. Hmm? Do you bring back Eberflus? Say, say you won eight games. Because I, I, I was on board as firing this guy week, what, week four, week five, right? And I've been I've been thinking, like, this guy's got to go. Because I Can he coach defense? Yes, no doubt about it. But is he the coach to take you to the next level, right, to get you to a playoff game, to to win a playoff game? I don't think so. And, and again, there's things in, in, the, in coaching in the game that I just question, not going for that field goal. And the first yeah. half, you know, maybe he misses it. Fine. But I think it's a higher percentage success rate than a Hail Mary at the end of the, at the end of the half, right? See if he makes it. If he makes it, that's three points you could have used to maybe win this game. Okay. So I think things like that still take me back. I just don't know. I don't have the confidence in Eberflus as a head man to lead me to lead this team organization into as, as a division winner and a, and a playoff eventually winner and all that stuff. So that's what I'm struggling with here is, when I was dead set, this guy's got to go. We both were. <laughs> now it's like, wait, it, does he really have to go, or 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 should he still go? I guess well, I'm struggling this, with this, that. What, this what, is why, this, yeah, yeah, let me let me debate the negative on that one, Danny. This is why I say he stays, right? And it was an overlooked point that somebody else made. I can't give him credit for it right now. B. 
Because regardless of how Eberflus comes off to us as fans and the press as a goofy, right, for the most part, the, the message and how he communicates in that locker room is resonating. I don't know what this dude is saying behind closed doors, but you don't have the length of losing streaks that we've had over the last two years and not lose your team. And then to have them still, right? Because when you're trending in the right direction, you still will have blips, right? You still you can blip and still be trending in the right direction for all my people that do do data analysts and stuff like that, right? You can still have a blip and still be trending in the right direction. Does he have bonehead make bonehead decisions from time to time? Yes, he does, right? We we have the Denver decision that that was made. We got this decision that was made not to kick the field goal, but still in the context of everything, also I I think also. Matt and Ryan are realizing that Matt is having to overcome Luke too. And this is that's when it's gonna that's when it's becoming a problem. It's one thing when the quarterback has to overcome Luke, but Matt is having to overcome Luke. Matt is giving this guy three three and outs today and an opportunity to get three points at least, right? And this started around the Minnesota game where he gave him four turnovers and he produced only 12 points, I believe it was, right? So now that we got to the point where Matt's starting to have to overcome Luke, I'm saying they could potentially be looking at this and saying, listen, we got to get another guy in here on offense. And I say you run it back because of what he's done and keeping the team together. And like I said, one more win to me, six or seven was my magic number. I said, if you give us six or seven wins, that's double digit wins. It's, 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 you doubled your win total and barring, barring the, barring the uh, Lubby Smith situation, right? We're not comparing situation to situation, but I'm comparing this situation, this situation. You can say, hey, I've taken a, a, a totally rebuilt team from three wins to six or seven wins, and we're running it back, right? If it's eight, that's even better because you make an even stronger case for yourself. But I just want to debate the negative so we can have both perspectives. It's an excellent point, and I, I do want to get to a little bit of Justin Fields' press conference, which I was able to salvage and boost the audio a little bit. What, what the Bears media team was sending out of Cleveland was, was atrocious. I boosted up as much as my system will allow. Let's listen to a little bit. But I also want to say one thing, because people, some people in the chat, I should say, are saying fire uh, polls. Well, there have been a number of recent Super Bowl teams, and if I were to do the research, this would probably go on for all of the Super Bowls, that the general manager of those Super Bowl teams had more than one opportunity to select the head coach. They didn't get it right the first time. And so if you're saying that, you know, Getze and Iberflus and Poe should go, I would pump the brakes on that, do a little bit of the research. There have been uh, uh, general managers who have had a second and sometimes even a third head coaching candidate take their team to the Super Bowl. So continuity is important, and polls made it pretty clear to everybody this team is on a rebuild. We are. It's. It's. We can't fix it right Fire away. Fire everybody, man. Fire everybody. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what my mom used to say when Fire. things were going. Fire. Get everybody. Fire. 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 And, and, uh, and coach, one thing I do not want, I do not want a general manager to fire a coach and, and hire a coach, and then general manager is gone next year, and then I have a coach with a new general manager, and then they get a new quarterback. Keep seesaw, not, yeah. I want everyone on an even level. Everyone, so if you're gonna bring it back, everyone's coming back. Poles, Eberflus, Fields, the whole gang is coming back. 
and now we're going we're all on the same level here. We're all going gets. together the same way. That's it's, what if you're gonna do a continuity, <laughs> that's the way to do it. It's a great point because it's something that I've been preaching the last 10 years that this team has never been synced up. The synchronicity has always been wrong. You bring in a G GM with an established quarterback, so you're forcing that quarterback on them. You got a head coach. You're telling the, the Phil Emery keep uh, Lovey for at least one year. It was. It's been so screwed up. This management of the ownership of the Chicago Bears have just screwed things up. And so now we have an opportunity to get it right. Let's follow Kevin Warren's lead, and whatever he does, I will support because I, I really believe he is the type of mind that this team needs. All right, so let's you, listen are to. You team, are you team Flues then? All the are you, are you for keeping Flues then? Yeah, we didn't get we didn't get Aldo's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have the two of you here. You guys are the experts. <laughs> I, I I just I just like to put the nice packaging around the shows. <laughs> All right, here's Justin uh, Fields looking really cool all in black here. Uh -oh. I heard some celebration on the sideline, and then it was kind of like, ah, oh, so I saw the guy come out and tipped up and then picked off, of course. But, um, I mean, yeah, um, no. I mean, yeah, I can't do anything about it. So. On the Hail Mary at the end of the first half, it looked like you were having a pretty good conversation with the official afterwards. You feel like you were hit late? And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I felt like I was. I really was just talking to him. I asked him, you know, for an explanation. Gave me a detailed explanation, said uh, I think it has to be a – he said something about a hit to the head and something about resetting. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of confusing to me, but you know, I was just – oh, my fault. It was kind of confusing to me, but, I mean, <sighs> plays over, can't do anything about it, move on. So, yeah. What do you identify as what was missing or off with the offense today? Yeah, I mean, you know, first off, defense played a hell of a game. I'm not sure if they could have played any better for us as a team. Um, you know, first off, I got to play better as a you know the quarterback of this team, and I think we all got to be better in offense. Um, you know, of course, our D line they have a great D line, great rush. Um, so I guys, so I know the guys up front. You know, wish they would have had a few plays back. Receivers wish they would have had a few few plays back, but um. I mean, it's simple. We just got to be better. I got to be better. Um, and run game going. We didn't really get that going today. So, um, you know, run game is important in our offense. And like I said, I got to be better as a quarterback for this team. We got to get that last um, completion of Moon at the end of the first half. That would have been big uh, to set us up for a field goal going into the half. And, um, yeah, I mean, sh long story short, I got to be better. We got to be better as a whole. Not really. Um, you know, I kind of think of it as, uh, I mean, me personally, I wasn't feeling comfortable. I don't know how the other guys are feeling. Um, I don't know how he was feeling. But, um, you know, me, I try to put up at least, you know, 28 points as an offense today. So, I mean, defense got a pick six at that point. We only put up seven or, seven or ten points. I'm not sure. Um, so, my goal as a quarterback, our goal as an offense is to at least put up 28 points a game. And, uh, you know, with the way our defense is playing now, um, that's usually more than enough than uh, points. So, um, I mean, yeah. Um, like I said, we got to be better. What does the Browns defense do that makes life difficult? Uh, they get to, they, uh, like I said, I mean, I think 
You know, they have a talented back end. Um, of course, they were missing some guys today, but uh, their D-line, that, that front makes their defense go. Um, you know, I had some receivers downfield, but, and, you know, this game, I'm trying to anticipate where they're going to be. I, you know, I can't, get, I can't see the guys because, you know, just because they're not sacking me doesn't mean that they're not, you know, affecting me in the, in the play. So, um, you know, I think they did a good job. Props to them. Um, they played a great game, and, yeah, just got to be better. Yes, that's exactly what happened. I, I saw him inside release. He told us, he told me um, we ran the route earlier in the game, and he outside released. But you know, on their man coverage, they have slightly outside leverage. So he told me he was going to do do the inside release. He beat him off the line bad, and then I got to the back of my drop, and I you know tried to and like just guess where he was basically because I knew he beat him off the line bad. But um, of course, it's. It's hard completing the ball when you're just guessing where the. Justin, what's your point of view? The fourth and one when you go around the right end. Yeah. And you and you see the marker. That just walk us through what you think. I thought I I got tripped up, um, tripped up. Once I felt myself falling, I thought I dove and got it. I don't know if y'all saw a replay or something like that, but I mean, if I would have it back, I would just you know get as wide as possible and literally race to the uh, first down market. But I mean, yeah. I like that play call in that situation, and um, we just got to execute it better. Justin, how do you feel about the season as a whole? I know it's a big picture, open-ended question, but you guys came in with a lot of goals, a lot of hopes. Mm-hmm. So you're five and nine. Mm-hmm. The offense has had a lot of rough patches. Like, what do you make of this season? I mean, yeah, um, biggest you know takeaway uh, so far in the season is just fight. I'm just proud of everybody uh, in the locker room, proud of the coaches and just, you know, the mentality that we have, the culture that we've set, um, and just the fight that we have as a, as a total team. So, um, of course, you know, there's many games we want back, many plays we want back. Um, but all in all, um, everybody's giving their best, everybody's giving their all, and really that's all you can ask for. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just proud of, proud of everybody. But, um, I mean, yeah, looks like, like I said, you know, we got to be better in situations, and of course, this one didn't go our way today. So, we've got to bounce back next week. Yeah, um, you know, Moon was the first read on that, and um, you know, they covered it pretty well. So, just basically, extended the play. Cole did a great job um, getting open, extended the play. We talked about that this week. Just you know, scramble drill and stuff like that. How that's going to be big for us. So. Cole did a great job. Saw him in the back of the end zone. Of course, made a great catch and um, did a good job getting his feet in. So. How did you play that drive? What was happening there? I know there was a penalty or two mixed in, but it just felt like it took you guys a while. Yeah, it did. Um, it did. Um, you know, they had, what, a stop on the runs on the run inside, and in the QB seat, we tried to run. False start. There was a little bit of confusion with the snap count. So, um, you know, I'll take, take the blame for that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just glad we were able to bounce back from those penalties and able to punch it in. Justin, that's a pretty crushed room in there right now. As a, as a leader of this team, how do you help to, to rally this group? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, it's it's, it's going to hurt anytime you lose, especially when you have a defense that goes out there and creates that many turnovers, um, that holds that offense that many points. So, um, you know, it's tough because, you know, we played good enough to win, but like I said, um, there were certain drives, certain situations that we didn't execute in. Um, one being that end of half, and the other one on the fourth and one. Um, I think if we get that another set of downs, we at least get a field goal that drive. So that's six points right there. But um, yeah, um, I mean, I know this team. I know the character of everybody in the locker room, and um, yeah, we're going to be down about it for the next 24 hours. But 
all in all, we got a game next Sunday that we got to prepare for. So um, everybody's going to be back on Wednesday, working hard and um, driving to get better. When you look Last at one. when you look at you guys not meeting your own expectations of where you wanted to be, and like I asked you a minute ago, and you're talking about everybody was dialed in, did give full effort. That wasn't the problem. What do you look at as the problems? What were the what are the reasons why you're here instead of where you wanted to be at this point in the season? Because we didn't execute um, in situations. Like I said, uh, you know the third down, end of half. Um, you know, Moon tempoed himself down because he felt the safety coming down, and I led him too much, so that led to an incomplete pass. So just little details like that, and just being on the same page. And um, I mean, that's it. Uh, that's that's all it is. It's just execution at the end of the day. And um, eleven guys doing their job on offense, defense, special teams. So uh, defense, they did. You know, they did their job. They, you know, they gave us the opportunity to win to win by flying numbers. And you know, as an offense, we didn't get the job done today. So. Um, I mean, it's, it's that simple. Just Well, there you go. That is uh, Justin Fields accepting responsibility for the game. Um, Coach T, what uh, stood out to you? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Just like you said, just the accountability, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get up there and point and throw anybody under the bus. You're not going to say my old line didn't do this, my wide receiver didn't run the route, right? You're always going to point to yourself. So it's going to be, hey, I didn't complete this pass here. I didn't complete that. And if you're going to talk about the offense, you're going to talk about the offense in the whole. Hey, it's 11 us. We didn't execute and all that. You're definitely not going to call out the play caller. We know, we know where that gets you. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, man. These guys continue to fight, though. Continue to support this team, man. Obviously, we're never going to change teams, right? Um, I like the fight in this group. And I called it out before he said it, kind of, you know, kind of blurted it out. But I like the fight in this team, even though we're at 5-11. and 11. And the reporter asked the question, was like, well, you're not where you expected to be. Where do we expect to be? I just, I'm just curious, right? That's a real question. Like, where do, where, you know, I understand you asking the question to a player, where, but where did we expect this team to be? We expect this team to be seven and nine or seven and what is it, seven and 10? What is the, what is the mix? Eight and nine. What did we expect this team yeah. to be uh, realistically? Did we expect this to be a fringe playoff team? Because again, if we expected this team to be in a fringe, a fringe playoff team, we just played a game today with playoff implications on the line we got three more games to play if we went out we would probably be still on a lot of the large media outlets board this chicago bears right here you know what i'm saying somewhere on the bubble in the hunt through uh through the end of the season where did we expect to be so yeah yeah like because coming into the season coach and i know a lot of the outside noise was playoff team and possibly making a wild card but for me it was eight eight nine victories it was that range you know uh and and you was right if they win the next three games they're eight they're eight games right there right there so i mean that's that's a real next realistic step and then obviously now add more players or add more talent and then they take a bigger step next next year that's when we're talking about possibly contending for a wild card playoff spot or whatnot so uh, yeah, so I mean that's a great point you know like like sometimes i think that own three start and the way the the team looked just against the Packers that first week, just put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And obviously the loss to the, to the Bucks and then to the Chiefs. And it just kind of things started avalanche, but you know, give credit. And like I said earlier, I, I've been one of the biggest critic. I was calling for his head, you know, midway through the season. Um, and, um, but I mean, he's turned, he's held this team together and, and he's turned his defense around. And I think that you, you see some positives there, right? You know, obviously the, the, the three bone leads in the, in the fourth quarter are, are things he's going to have to work on. And we talked about earlier, I think, 
I think it's not schematic. I think it's more execution, maybe a couple more players here and there, and you can fix that thing around. Offensively, we talked about the play calling. That could be a change there. Um, and then we talked about also, you know, adding more weapons to, to the offense and, and some more, a couple more offensive linemen. I think then you have something to build on there. So, yeah, I mean, the expectations for me personally were eight, nine victories. They won these last three games. They're right there, eight, nine. So they're, they're, to me, they're, they'll be right on par. And, and that's why I'm struggling with, with the whole Eberflus thing because I still don't think he's a great head coach. Yeah, but you also have to give him credit. He kept his team together, and to pull off eight victories after starting off zero and three, I think that, that's that's an accomplishment. Yeah, and I and I want to say this too. We say this about coaches and players, right? Great, great becomes after achievement. Great, great usually follows achievement. The only time it doesn't is in when we're talking about sports, particularly football. And we hand out great before a person has had a chance to prove themselves. Or like elite. Me. I hate the yeah, word elite. Elite, and especially oh. elite, and now generation. Right. We, we, yes. we always, we also, we always got to find a new hyperbole term to use when it comes to players before they've proven themselves. Right. Um, I think what Danny you're describing is um, experience. Right. First, first time head coach. This is year two. Right. Experience. And not trying to make excuses for him, but I got to give the guy credit. You know you got your hands full now that you got to do the D.C. job and the head coach job. So you go out there and get a senior assistant to help what? Whether he's doing film work on the background and help you with the game plan or what, you have enough GT, if you will, to go out there and get a guy to help you do the job. Now, you have to learn situational football and experience and calling the right thing at the right time, making the head coach decision, like you said, Hail Murray or kick the field goal at the end of the game. You got to weigh the percentages there and say, I'm going to do X, right? Do that. But I also want to make another point. Say it's not eight, Danny. And I don't say it's not eight. Say it's seven. We hit the seven and 10. I think it would be right. Seven, 10, mm -hmm. seven and 10. You go into off season where you got two top 10 picks, right? With the opportunity Let's let's say let's say they get they go after MHJ, right? MHJ, Marvin Harrison Jr. Say they go and get that guy. They still got an opportunity to get that guy and get another first rounder. Or they have a, you know, my my favorite idea is to to get two of the DJ halls. Listen to me. Show them what we've shown so far this season. And you get two of whatever the equivalent for DJ was last year. Not only do you set yourself up to be competitive next year, but you set yourself up to be competitive for years to come because the DJ Hall came with multiple first round picks. And if we could end up with two first round picks next year as a result of one move made by Ryan Poles, and that was the trade the first round of last year for DJ Poles. And for us to go through our growing pains this season, nobody, nobody will complain. Everybody, that's why I understand the fire Ryan Pose talk, because strategically, as a chess match, this guy has all the pieces on the board to win the game. That he right? developed. That he developed from scratch. This is the guy that got rid of Khalil Mack. This is the guy that got rid of basically every decent to good player we had before and he had he basically as far as the nfl landscape is concerned right with six or seven that's why six or seven was my magic number to say hey 
Keith Eberflus and run it back, and we still get what we want in terms of draft capital, right? So as far as the NFL is concerned, he owns all the chess pieces on the board. We would be in a situation where we run the NFL. Seven wins with all that draft capital, capital coming back. I'm saying we're there by 24 or 25. Right. But and 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 I've been a critic of Ryan Poles as well. And you guys have both been there to, to witness and hear it. And and I not really a, a huge fan of him. I, I don't have faith in Ryan Poles. Now, the trade for DJ Moore looks better and better. That that's that's that does look better right now, right? So and then obviously if you get the first round, first of all, pick and you can cut catapult that into yes. two two or three more picks. That, that's another that's another tap in the cap, you know, uh, tip in his cap as well. If you get you got a second round, you got Montez Sweat, uh, a dominant pass rush for a second round pick. That, that's a positive move as well. So he he has made some moves here in, in this later half in the second half. But for me, it's it's I want to see what he does and how he attacks the offseason in terms of that offense and defensive line. I still he cannot rest on his laurels on the offense and defensive lines. He's got to he's got to get those two units built and built to be. Not only strong up front, but also have some good quality depth because, as we see, injuries happen mid-game, and you need to have quality backups coming in there as well. So I, that was my biggest thing with Ryan Poles is fine. You want to tear us down, but the way he attacked, the way he built, especially defensively, started from the secondary and, and went to the linebackers, and then attacked the defense line. That really just rubbed me the wrong way. So no. you know, I, you know, if, if you're going to give Abelfield a chance, obviously I bring back Ryan Poles as well. And and my thing was, do I trust Ryan Poles? And We'll see because hey, I, I, I don't I don't think it's going anywhere, but we'll see Dan, what happens. Dan, let me get let me get the negative on that last comment. The, the, let me debate the negative on that that last comment, right? Because I said this during the week on the show, and I thought about it. I was like, I said the same thing because if it was really about if it was really about preserving Justin Fields, then you would have been all in on offensive linemen and built that offense and said, listen, everything, every asset, including financially, that we have is going to be tackle, tackle. Tackle, tackle, guard, center, wide receiver, wide receiver, and we're going to have an explosive offense and damn the defense. We'll figure it out later, right? Besides, we have a, a defensive head coach. He should be able to cover up uh, uh, some of our inefficiencies. But then does that, does that marry with the philosophy of drafting the best player on your draft board, right? So say, for instance, you know – Hey, in order to make the offensive better, we need the offense better. I need this position player. But do you reach for a guy just because you want an offensive player to round up this offense? Or do you still continue to stack the best talent and draft and stay true to your board? Right. That's my only that's my only pushback that because he could have said, no, I'm going all in on offense. But that would equate it to spending money. Right. Via free agency and reaching for players. Or he stayed true to his board and said, hey, I'm just going to draft the best player that we have value in, and we're going to let the truth, uh, the, the chips fall where they may. And whether or not it's the best thing, quote, unquote, quote, for, for Justin Fields, I'm going to still stay true to being a good GM and let the chips fall where they may. But you could still, even if, if say, the board fell that way, right? If the board fell for him like, all right, Briscoe was my top-rated guy or Kyle Gordon was my top-rated guy whatever. There was an offensive defensive line. I understand that part. But you can – and he attacked – I know he attacked the, the offensive line in the, the fifth round and all that, and he found possibly Braxton Jones. But right. you have to bring in quality. If you're going to – if you're not going to go get top-tier free agents because you're tearing it down, you got to – because you're preserving cap cap money, you got to get some quality 
the offensive lineman. I, I think, you know, some of the things he did, like later on, this is I'm talking about last year, right? Towards the end of the, the training camp, he again got Riley, Riley Reef, and who became their their best offensive lineman towards the end of the season at right tackle. But to but to put Justin back there, if if you're not going to commit to Justin, right, and, and you come in here, and and why stop at, you know, why stop at just that and just get rid of him too as well? Because now you put this kid out there, and he's getting a beating week in and week out. And if he's committed to, you're putting him out there in, in an unfair, compromised position. I just think they did the kid dirty, and that that's where I kind of like the, the way he attacked the, uh, the 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 roster and the way he did to Justin Fields. And then earlier this season, when they were on three, okay, they're on three, and I do believe in that best draft, but just draft the best player available. That is my philosophy. Aldo knows that. But don't tell me the best player available was a, a safety at that, that second round pick. I don't know. I have to go back and look at the board, but I had some questions about that. Anyway, if you're going to build a defense, an offense, you got to start offensive defensive lines and don't just throw Justin out there as a scapegoat. And I think this year, what really took me all over the top was at, at 0 and 3. All right. Jay Glazer comes out and says, Oh, the Bears are not sold on Justin Fields. And right there, that's someone I, I, we don't know who it is. I don't know if it's the coaching staff, I don't know if it's the front office, who it was. I'm not blaming anybody, but someone within the organization kind of put that the crumbs out there. Like, hey, Justin's going to be the scapegoat. We're going to kind of get a, we're in a clean house and we're going to bring a new quarterback in. And now Justin goes ahead and, and, and he starts playing a little bit better. And now, you know, so on and so forth. Are they going to keep Justin? And all, these, all these question marks around Justin. We've, we talked about his week in and week out. The kid is under a microscope. He's scrutinized. Every single throw he does is scrutinized. But I just think they did the, they did the kid a disservice by, first of all, not backing him up 100% and also, Kind of putting him out there in like in a no man's land where he's could be the scapegoat, he could be a savior. We don't know yet. We'll let you know how everything goes after year two or year three. <laughs> right, that, that's right. really what pissed me off about what the front office did to him. Guys, uh, I think it is time for us to pull the plug on this episode of Bear Football. It has been fascinating, fascinating, great discussion, hard talk. Um you know, lots of agreements, disagreements. That's why we're here. We're here to, you know, throw out all the opinions and some people aren't going to like them and leave like I noticed some people did in the chat room. So be it, you know, that unfortunately we've, but this, the Barroom Network is always going to be the place where we're going to uh, offer up diverse opinions because we're not going to play it like the national media does and we're not going to play it like a lot of other podcasts do. We're going to have diverse thoughts. We can argue civilly and uh, and then, you know, make make your own decision. We don't have to change your mind. You don't have to change our minds, but at least let's talk about it. Now, uh, before we get out of here, Coach T, tell us about your show on your YouTube channel. Yeah, Chicago Bears 360, man. We're on Sundays at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays. 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Times, 10 Central. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 4 Central, man. Aldo, I appreciate the heck out of you, man, for saying that and providing this platform for us to talk openly. I do have a, I do have a partner shot for Aldo and all the <coughs> old guys out there, man. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Listen, guys. Hang in there, bro. I, I, just, <laughs> I think I think we could get y'all one in the next couple years. I think we could get y'all one in the next couple years, man. But but yeah, don't 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 feel like hey man, I'm gonna get out of here before no nah. um uh, before before you know what I'm saying the bears bring one home. But the other part of that is man, and Aldo said it. Listen, y'all like y'all like my crazy cousins and drunk uncles, man. You know what I'm saying? We can disagree all the time, but guess what? At the end of the day. 
when 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 wifey or, or gma or whoever the case rings the bell and say dinner is served it's time to eat you put all that bullshit aside man and come eat man that's what it's all about bro it's all good. <laughs> there you go danny what do you got for us <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was that's tough one to follow there, Coach T. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of this this game, obviously, it's I think it's a game where they're right there, they're right there competing with it with a team that that's tough to be at home with with a, with the the best defense in the NFL. And I think just, you know, a couple plays here and there, a couple decisions here and there could have could have come out. The outcome could have been different. But in terms of this week, uh, you know, we're doing all, uh, Buffon fifty five. Uh, I know John Buffon will not be there, but we have this the super sub filling in. Mister One Aldo Gandia, the Podfather, will be filling in for John and Podfather. <laughs> and Alyssa, and we will be giving you a, a before 55 reviewing this game and, and some surprises, I'm sure, uh, and previewing uh, the Christmas Eve tilt that's going to be at the lakefront with uh, the Arizona Cardinals coming in here, battling the Chicago Bears on Christmas Eve. That should be a, a quite a show. Yep. Let me show you guys at the start of the fourth quarter, I wanted to update my Bears calendar with wins and losses. I actually put the W up. <laughs> Wow. I yeah, actually it was, it was you it was yeah. you yeah. <laughs> I did I did you were blaming Luke Getzi we've got to blame Aldo Gandia we spent we spent an hour hour and a half blaming the wrong guy <laughs> when it was really me and so I I'll own up to it but I will say that uh I'm gonna stick around long enough for us to win that championship win that Super Bowl and hopefully you better see that you new better. stadium in Arlington Heights uh as old as I am I'm gonna stick around so guys again great job Danny and Coach T and John Buffon hope you're well uh, he's got some personal things going on and we wish him well. Uh, and, uh, those of you who love what's going on here at the Barroom network, let other people know. And Greg, Greg Gabriel and myself will be on live tomorrow at 11 AM. I can't wait to see what he's got to say. <laughs> so it should be very, very interesting. Uh, take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>